0: This morning, as we dig into God's Word, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And so if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter 13, and we will get there in a moment. There's something that's true. There's something that's true about all of us. It's true about me, and I bet it's true about you as well. In fact, it doesn't matter what age bracket, that you fall into, or it doesn't matter what social bracket you feel like you fall into, this is something that is true about all of us, something that we all feel, something that we all value, something that for every one of us is important. And that is, we want people to be authentic, we want people to be exactly who they claim that they are, and we want people. If they say they have a belief, if they say they they have something that they hold on to strongly, if they say they have a belief, then we want their behavior to line up with those beliefs. We want there to be some sort of correlation between what they say they believe and what they actually do. In fact, this is something that we'll see is true as we go further and further into this whole presidential election process that seems to take the entire four years now. But as we go through this process and candidates are eliminated, people will, this is one thing that people hold strongly to. When we choose to cast our vote for somebody, one thing that we want to be sure is we want to at least be voting for someone who, when they say they believe something, their behavior lines up with it. When they say they believe something, they actually do believe it. We know they do, because in their personal life, they live it out. It's something that's important to us. In fact, for us, in our own lives, what we believe in, what we think to be true, it affects the way we live. When I was young, when I was about pre- between, let's say, the ages of 6 and 12, about that time period in my life, I had a certain belief that affected the way that I lived. And that belief was that one day I was going to compose a baseball card collection that was going to be so valuable that it would change my entire life. My college would be paid for. My house, perhaps, in the future would be paid for. That was my belief, that I was going to be able to amass a card collection that one day was going to be incredibly valuable. And so much of my time, much of my behavior, was centered around collecting baseball cards. I uh, had, would buy cards with my paper route money, I would talk about cards with my friends. We would trade cards together. I subscribed to Beckett Magazine. I know some of you in here subscribed to Beckett. I see heads nodding. You subscribed to Beckett Magazine to check your card values. And I, I would go to card shows. Those used to be a big deal in the 80s and 90s. I'd go to baseball card shows. And i put all my time and energy and effort into this belief that one day I was going to amass a baseball card collection that was going to be of great value. What I ended up with is, a, is thousands and thousands of rectangle pieces of paper that are completely worthless. What I ended up with is a bunch of boxes in my mom's house that every time I go home, she says, if you don't take them, I'm throwing them out. And I'm like, no, 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 don't throw them out. Just leave them. Maybe one day they'll be worth something. But nevertheless, my belief, my belief affected how I behaved. Right now on television, you could turn to any number of channels. And there are camera crews following people around that are following a certain dream or belief. There are all sorts of reality shows. We have reality shows of people looking for gold and Klondike dirt, and reality shows of people searching for treasure in the bottom of the ocean, reality shows that people are going after their dream home, reality shows where people are trying to create a new body image, maybe lose weight or, or change themselves somehow. But there are all sorts of shows out there where people are, are following a belief. They're following a dream. They're following something that they believe in strongly, and we have camera crews just waiting to capture it all. One of my personal favorites, one of my personal favorites that I watch every year, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but I watch it every year, is Gold Rush, starting this Friday on Discovery Channel, new season. <laughs> I don't work for them, but, but I, I like Gold Rush. The, these guys go up for months at a time in the summer and they live in Alaska, they live in the Yukon in Canada and they, they run massive amounts of dirt through wash plants looking for gold and most of the time they just lose all their money. But I, I like watching the show. One of the reasons I like watching the show is it's about the dream and it's about the belief. And these guys, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, because they have the belief that they're going to get rich By running dirt through a wash plant, plant. they change everything that they do in their life. Their entire lives become reordered around this belief. They leave their families for months at a time. They drive thousands of miles and bring hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. They empty out their entire savings account, get huge lines of credit. They do everything, everything that they're doing in their, in their life is ordered around this belief that one day they are going to hit it big. And that's how it works. That's how we want it to work. If someone says that they believe in something, then we want their behavior to follow. And that happens to us. When we believe strongly in something, our behavior follows, even if it's risky, even if it's risky. About three years ago, in October of 2012, a giant hurricane, the biggest the eastern seaboard has ever seen, came and slammed into the New York City area. The hurricane's name was Sandy. You remember? Superstorm Sandy, as it was called, killed over 250 people in seven different countries. It was the largest storm, the largest storm square miles wide of uh, wise of any storm any hurricane ever recorded in the Atlantic Ocean when it came to New York City it was a hurricane a category two hurricane and everything in New York City shut down maybe you remember this remember the pictures of Staten Island after this thing moved through it was it was really disastrous $68 billion in damage was done to the New York City area, New Jersey, New York, that whole area. $68 billion of damage was done. In the middle of that storm, as the winds were blowing and things were whipping down the street, and it was highly dangerous to be out, every single business in New York City and Manhattan was closed. Every single business was closed. Every office was shut down. Every retail shop shut down. Every bodega, every deli closed, except for one. In Times Square, staying open through the storm was a lone Starbucks. And in the middle of the hurricane, in the middle of the hurricane, a line began to form at Starbucks. So that there was a line twisting through the store and even out of the door in the middle of the hurricane. And this is what some of the folks that came to get Starbucks said. Bethany, she was 28 years old, said she walked 10 blocks in the middle of a hurricane with her one-year-old daughter. Wise decision by Bethany. For her coffee. I saw on Facebook they were open, she said, and it's really scary not to have Starbucks. The hurricane's not scary, but it's really scary not to have Starbucks. Her friend and neighbor, 29-year-old Chris, said when he heard they were open, I was like, pack the baby up, let's go. I didn't know know if they were going to close. I started panicking. There is nothing else, get this, there is nothing else, he said, that I would have gone out for. Alex, who's 25 years old, walked more than 20 blocks looking for an open Starbucks. He said, it took half an hour, but I'm a Starbucks fanatic. I go four or five times a day. And David, he's 25, he said he went past three closed Starbucks before he found the one that was open. I'm really happy these guys are open. I can't get a pumpkin spice latte anywhere else. When we believe something to be true, like our day can't happen without our coffee, we will do all sorts of things to make sure it can it sh- make sure it happens. When we have a strong belief, when we have a strong belief, our behavior, our behavior, orients itself around that belief, so that the w- things that we're doing, the actions that we're doing, are a direct result of what it is that, deep down inside, we truly believe. If we believe something strongly, it affects our behavior. If we have hope in something strongly. It impacts our habits. When Jesus was on this earth, he said that that phenomenon of belief affecting behavior and hope affecting our habits, that that should be absolutely true for the people who say they follow Christ. The last few weeks we've been talking about this idea of hope. And we've talked about how our hope is in Christ, that Christ is the only hope that won't disappoint We've talked about how to have hope in the middle of suffering. And last week we talked about how our hope is in heaven. And now we're going to talk about the fact today, and this is what Jesus says, that if all that is true, if all that is true, that our hope is in Him, that our hope is in heaven, that we have a belief so strongly in Him, if all that is true, then what Jesus is going to tell us this morning is that that belief should be shown in our behavior. That our behavior and our habits tip off more than anything else whether or not we truly believe, whether or not we truly have hope. In fact, this is the way that Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 13. He's trying to describe to the crowds what the kingdom of heaven looks like, what following him looks like, what having belief in him and hope in him looks like and this is what he says is matthew chapter 13 verse 44 through 46 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value He went away, sold everything that he had, and bought it. I think it's worth noting that that in the ancient world that Jesus is speaking in, pearls were of greater value than gold. So today they've lost value on that scale, but back in Jesus' day, he was choosing the most valuable thing of the time to make his point. And saying, if you have trust in me, if you have belief in my kingdom, if your hope is found in me, then it's like if you found a treasure and you knew it was there, you found something of extreme value, you would reorder your entire life around that thing. If you had something, a treasure of of immeasurable value that you could get your hands on, you and I would change everything about our lives in order to get it. We would change the way we spend our money. We would change the way that we, that we act. We would move. We would be willing to do what it took to get our hands on that thing, just like the, the folks in Jesus' parable. They're willing to sell their property, willing to sell their land, willing to move, willing to invest in something new, willing to do whatever it takes to get their hands on this thing that is of immeasurable value. And what Jesus is saying is the same should be true about us. If your hope is in me, if your hope is in this kingdom, if your belief is in me, if your belief is in this kingdom, then your entire life, the way that you act, the way that you behave, your habits should be ordered around that thing of such great value. And for those of us who say that we believe, for those of us who say that our hope is in Christ, The question that we have to ask ourselves is, is it true for us that our behavior is so ordered around our beliefs? Is it true in my life that the things that I do, the way I handle my life, the the choices that I make, the decisions that I make, is it true That all of those are ordered around this belief that I have in Christ. Is it true for me that everything that I do and all that I have and all that I am, that is ordered around this hope that I have in Jesus Christ? When we talk about hope, we're not talking just about hope that happened a long time ago, 2,000 years ago at the cross. And we're not talking about hope that happens just in the future once we get to heaven. But we're talking about something, a hope that is to impact our lives today. So the question becomes, is it? It certainly ought to. If we truly believe, then it ought to be that that belief would impact our behavior. That the way that we live would be be radically affected by the thing that we say that we believe. And the hard question that I think we have to ask ourselves is other than the 75 minutes or so that we'll spend in church today, other than this time right now. If someone was to follow us when we left this place until we came back next Sunday, they just observed our life from a distance. By our behavior, would they be able to tell that we believe? Not by what we say. Not not by the words that come out of our mouth. Because we can say whatever we want to. The question is, would they be able to tell just from our behavior? from our habits, from the way that we live, would they be able to tell that we believe? I think of the story that Jesus told. There is no doubt if you knew this farmer from a distance and all of a sudden he came back and he sold everything that he had, uprooted his family and moved them to a new field, and you ask me the question, do you think he believes that that new field has something valuable? I would say absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if it's the crops he's growing or if he found something in the ground, but there's no question in my mind. He believes, he believes that this is important. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, could people look at our lives? Could they just watch us be a fly on the wall? And would they be able to tell just from our behavior and our habits that we have belief and we have hope? It's important that all of us do that self-evaluation because it should be true of us. If we believe, our behavior should follow. People who believe that Starbucks is wildly important will walk through a hurricane to get it. If we believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is and our hope is in Him, do our actions prove it to be true? Or is it merely words? As I think about this topic and I think, how can I begin to, to in my own life, evaluate evaluate whether or not my behavior matches up with my beliefs? I think there are four questions that we can ask ourselves to try and figure that out. Four important questions that we're going to go through quickly here this morning that we can ask ourselves to try to begin to figure out Is my behavior really matching up with my beliefs? Are my habits centered around the hope that I have in Christ? Now, these four questions, by all means, will not cover everything that we could think about or try to cover when it comes to our beliefs and our behavior, but I think they're a good place to start. The first question I think we need to ask ourselves when we try to consider if our behavior matches up with our beliefs, is how do I spend my time? How do I spend my time? We live in a world, I don't know that I have to prove this to you very much, we live in a world that is insanely busy, insanely busy, and some of us in this room, in fact, probably most of us in this room, feel like we are insanely busy, that this world is crazy and hectic, especially where we live, where we live. Where I grew up in, in, um, in Omaha, Nebraska, if something was seven miles away, it was always seven minutes away. If something was seven miles away, it's always seven minutes away. You can always go 60, and there'll never be anyone stopping you. You always get there. It's, it's a mile a minute. It's very easy. Here, I live seven miles away from this church, and it can take me during the week 50 minutes. And so even here, even though our lives are crazy and hectic, in this part of the country especially, in this part of the country especially, our lives are busy, And people are ordering their lives around all sorts of things, around work and around school and around family and around extracurricular activities. And their lives are just our our lives are packed with stuff. The more things that we add to try to keep ourselves uh, connected with people, whether that's our phones or or Facebook or Twitter or social media or the television or whatever, it just crams our lives with more and more stuff, and we are busier and busier and busier. And sometimes we just get busy, and we don't even think about how we're spending our time. If we go to, the, go to people for advice, if we, if we buy into the religion uh, of, of Oprah and Dr. Phil and, and Dr. Oz and whoever else she's made, if you buy into that, that religion, if you buy into that way of thinking, then the answer to that, the answer to that is that you need to learn to take time for yourself that when you're stressed out and when you're busy and hectic, the answer is you need to take time for yourself, for self-reflection, self-acknowledgement. If my belief, if my belief is centered around God, if my hope is in Christ, then the answer to this crazy, hectic, filled schedule is I need to figure out a way to enter into my schedule times of rest times of daily quiet, times of daily peace, not so I can center myself around myself, but so that I can center my time around God. For most of us, if God wanted to say something to us, we would never have the space to listen. If God were to try and speak to us, we would never be able to hear his voice because our time is so busy and so hectic. Moses... You know Moses, parting the Red Sea, Moses, get my people out of Egypt, Moses. He wrote a prayer. And that prayer is recorded in Psalm 90. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses, as a part of his prayer, prays this to God. Teach me, teach us, to number our days aright. Teach us to number our days correctly. Lord, would you teach us to use our time wisely that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Are you doing that? When it comes to the way you spend your time, who's ordering the time? Is it God and what He says is important? Or is it us and what this world says is important? For those of us who believe, we'll live differently so that we have the time to listen to God and spend with Him. And the first question we need to ask ourselves if we're we're talking about whether or not our belief and our behaviors match up is how do I spend my time? The second question that I think we need to ask ourselves is in whom do I trust? How do I spend my time and in whom do I trust? Everybody in this world trusts in something. We trust in something to bring us hope. We trust in something to bring us happiness. Some people, some people put their hope and trust in sports teams. That those teams will bring them ultimate, feel, uh, ultimate happiness and fulfillment. You'll see them today. They're in the front row. Their faces are painted. They have some sort of crazy hat on. Uh, there's people that they order their entire lives around that. There's people that believe their job will do this. And so they put their trust And their hope in their job. There's people that believe their family will provide this. And so they put their trust and their hope in their family. There's people that believe relationships will do this. So they put their trust and their hope in another person whom they are close to. Everybody puts their trust in something and as people who say that we believe in christ and our hope is in him we need to make sure that our trust is not in the things that we can see that it's not in a sports team or it's not in a job or it's not in material possessions it's not in a family it's not in a significant other that our trust and our hope is in what we cannot see in christ alone whom are you trusting For your day-to-day fulfillment and satisfaction, what are you putting your trust in? There's an old missionary named Reese Howell, and he lived until 1950, but in the late 1800s, early 1900s, he and his wife, the Howells, were very important missionaries to Africa. They came from Wales in the United Kingdom. And Rhys Howell, in this book called Intercessor, uh, that was written about him, recounts a story Of when he left for Africa the first time, and I I love this story. He said they were leaving Wales and they only had enough money, only had enough money to go from Wales to the next train station. They needed to get to London, which was quite a distance further, but all they had in their pocket were 10 shillings, Reese and his wife. And they could only get from their home in Wales to the next station. Once they got to London, the missionary organization was going to take them on to Africa. They had spent every dime that had been given to them and everything that they had trying to prepare for their new life, getting together all the materials and the supplies that they needed to live this new life in Africa. And so they were left with just enough money to get from that station to the next one. Well, they got on the train and And Reese Howell says, there were all sorts of people standing on the platform cheering them on and singing songs. And he was on the train sitting there and saying, I wonder if they'd be singing so loud if they knew we weren't even going to make it to London. So they got to the first train station and they got off the train. They had a long way to go to London, no money in their pockets. And Reese Howell said to God, He said, So what do you want me to do? And he said, He felt God say to him, Do you see the ticket window? And he said, yes. He said, go get in line. Immediately he said, I said to God, I'm not going to go get in line. I have no money and I'm going to look like a fool. And he felt God say to him through the Spirit, you get up on stage and preach and tell people to trust God. Will you trust me for this train ticket? So Reese Howell stood in line. He said there were 12 people in front of him. You can imagine the old train station, those metal bars, the window, the ticket window there. He said the line was taking exceedingly long. It was taking forever. And the entire time, as he slowly moved forward, he could feel the enemy speaking to him and saying, you're going to look like a fool. You're going to get to the front of the line. They're going to call you forward, and you're just going to have to walk away. He said, I stayed in line anyway. And eventually, after a long wait, it was a person at the window, one man in front of Reese, and Reese himself. And he kept shaking his head and saying, this is going to be terrible when I get up there and they call my name. Well, the man in front of Reese Howell was getting more and more agitated at how long it was taking to get his train ticket. The line was taking forever. No one knew why. It was just taking a long time. Time And so he was standing there, and Reese could see him getting more and more agitated. Finally, finally, just before it was his turn at the window, the man who was standing in front of Reese Howell threw his arms up in the air and said, This is ridiculous. I don't have time to stand here. I have to go open my shop. And then he turned to Reese, slapped 30 shillings in his hand, and said, Here, you buy a train ticket. And God provided. Who do you trust? As you live your life, are you trusting in what you see? What makes sense? The money you're able to put into an account somewhere? Or are you trusting in what you cannot see? The God who is alive and well. If we hope in him, if our belief is in him, then ultimately we will not trust the things of this world. We'll trust what he tells us to do third question is this, how do I spend my time and whom do I trust? The third question is this, how do I spend my treasure? How do I spend my treasure? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the Bible makes it very clear that the way we deal with our money is a great indicator as to whether or not we truly believe in Christ. Here's what the Bible says. If I could just if I could just simplify it a little bit, here's what the Bible says, basically. The Bible says everything that we have, all that we are given, everything that God gives us, or everything that we have, is given to us by God. He's the one who provides it. So no matter what, when we look up in the top left corner, no matter what name is on the check, whether that is the company that we work for, the company that we started, whether that is the government, whatever it is, whatever name is on the check, as people who trust in Jesus, as people who have hope in Christ, we believe that that money, that provision, is from God. And this is what God's Word says. God's Word says, for every ten of these that we receive, Every 10 of these that we receive, every 10 of these that God gives us, every 10 of these that God provides for us. God's word says that for every 10 that He gives us, He asks if we trust Him, that we return one, just one, to Him. I'll do it again, it's tough. It's a difficult one. It's difficult to understand. It's kind of like magic, I know. This is what God's word says. It's the, I know it's a, tough, it's a tough concept. It's a difficult concept. It's one that makes us angry, if we're honest. It's a difficult one. This is what the Bible says. Pretty clear. For every ten of these that God provides us with, God lets us keep nine and just ask that we return one to him. I'm not saying this, listen to me, I'm serious about this. I'm not saying this because I think you should give more money to this church. I'm saying this. I'm saying this because this is what the Bible says. And God says that there is, I honestly, if you're giving it to missionaries, if you're giving it to the work of the kingdom, give it to the work of the kingdom. This is not a a budget issue. This is me saying what the word of God says. That there is a connection between the way we handle our treasure and our belief in him. And for Lori and I, this is a difficult thing. We've gotten to the point where we do more than just one because we can't believe how God has blessed us. And let me tell you what's happened. There are months where I feel like we can't afford it. There are plenty of times I feel like we can't afford it. But do you know what's happened as we've done what God's asked us to do? I don't have any story of becoming a millionaire, but I will tell you this. As we follow God and do what he asks us to do, God always provides. Just like he said he would. He always provides. We need to ask ourselves, how do we handle our treasure? Are we trusting God with it? Or is it ours to manage? Is it his to manage or is it ours to manage? Are we trusting him with it? It's an important question we have to ask ourselves how do we spend our time and whom do we trust how do we spend our treasure and the last question i would say is this we'll just do it very quickly and that is how do i spend my talent how do i use my talent how do i use my talent god has given every one of us certain gifts and abilities even in the renovation of this building the renovation of this building i can look across this audience and there are so many of you who were here and there is something in this building that you did Because God has given you a gift to do it. He's given you the ability to do it, and you are willing to use it for him. How do you spend your talent? We've created in our world a whole subculture that we've slapped with the label Christian. There's ChristianBook.com. There's Christian Music. There's Christian Books. There's Christian everything that is out there. There is a Christian alternative almost. There's Christian Facebook. There's all sorts of things. Do you know what the difference is between things that are Christian and secular? The difference between things that are Christian or secular is not who the publisher is. It's not whether or not there's a Bible verse stamped on it. It is all about who gets the glory. Who gets the glory? When the song is sung, when the book is read, who gets the glory? There are plenty of things we label Christian that are quite secular because the person who has put it together gets all the glory, not God. Who gets the glory? For you and your life. As you use your gifts and your talents, as you go to work each day, as you serve, as you help people, who gets the glory? Is it God? Colossians 3.17, Paul says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God our Father. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your time and whom do you trust? How do you spend your treasure? And how do you use your talent? Important questions for us to ask. When it comes to our life, when people look at us, if we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, if we say that we trust in him, when people look at us, they should be able to look at us and say, listen, I don't know if I believe what they believe. They should be able to look at us, people in this world, and they may say, I don't know if I believe what they believe. In fact, I think they may be kind of crazy, If we go to a financial advisor and we show them how we spend our money, if we spend it the way God tells us to, they'll think that we're stupid. They'll think that we're wasting it away. Our lives may look crazy to people, and so they may look at us and say, I don't know if I believe what they believe, but I am 100% sure they believe what they say they believe. People should just be able to watch our lives. We're not perfect by any means, but they should be able to see how we behave and see our habits and say, I'm not sure if I believe what they believe, but I'm 100% sure that they believe what they believe. I can see it in the way that they live. I can see it in the way that they share. I can see it in their compassion. I can see it in their joy. I can see it in their kindness. I can see it in their love. I know that at least they believe what they say they believe. I'm going to invite our worship team back to the stage as we close this morning. You know, for all of us, all of us have places in our lives where we would say, I'm off on this. All of us have places in our lives where we know that our belief does not necessarily line up with our behavior. All of us have places in our lives where our hope does not match our habits. And maybe you're thinking in your own heart, listen, I've tried this before. All of us, we have these areas. Maybe, maybe you're really, uh, there's a part of your life that you have tried over and over and over again to get rid of. It's, a, it's, a, it's an addiction nobody knows about. It's a, it's a thought process you have, an attitude that you can't get a hold of. It's, 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 you, you would love to be able to, to, to release your, your treasure and do what God tells you to do, but it's just so difficult to trust Him in that area. All of us have these places in our lives where, where we just... We can't do it the way that God has called us to do it. We try, but, it, but our behavior just doesn't match up with our belief. And you're saying this morning, listen, I've done it before. I've given it a good faith effort. I've tried my hardest. And all, you know what happens? Things just don't seem to change for me. Well, this morning, let me remind you, it was never intended that you would do it on your own. It was never intended that your beliefs and your behavior would come together on your own. Rather, God has poured out his Holy Spirit. He has given us his Spirit that we might be empowered to go and live the life that he has called us to live. That rather than rely on ourselves and our own ingenuity and rather than rely on ourselves and our own abilities, that we would rely on him and his Spirit would lead us and would guide us into all righteousness and into all all fruitful living that it wouldn't be under our own power but it would be under his power and so those areas in your life where you're sitting here this morning and you're saying I know that these things don't line up with God I know that the relationship that I'm in I know that the things that I do the things that I think about the things that I say don't necessarily line up remember it's not up to you under your own strength and power to fix it It's up to you to trust God's work in your life and to rely on the Holy Spirit that our beliefs and our behaviors might come together not through our own power but by His power that as His Spirit fills us and indwells us and empowers us, we are given the grace that we need and the power that we need to go and live the life that He's called us to. I'd invite you, if you'd be willing to, just to bow your head and close your eyes. to take a moment to think about those own areas in your life. Those own areas that you know need to change. Where hope doesn't match with your habits and belief doesn't match with your behavior. And in the next few moments take the time to cry out to God and to ask Him that He would so fill you with His Spirit that you would be able to do the work that he has called you to do, that you would be able to live the life that he's called you to do. We are new creations in Christ, not because we're such good people, but because his spirit comes and dwells within us and changes us and makes us new. We're going to have a few minutes where we're going to sing and worship our God this morning. As we do, there are going to be a couple people up front and if there's a, a need in your life something that you'd like someone to pray with you about they are here to do that but let me encourage you to do something as well and I know this takes courage and I know it takes it takes it's a little bit awkward sometimes but for those of us who know that we need more of God's spirit in our life to be able to live the life he's called us to These altars are open this morning. What I mean by that is you have space this morning to come and kneel before the Lord and to spend time with Him and to ask Him for His help. And so while we sing, don't hesitate to come forward and spend time kneeling in this place, saying, God, I want to live the life you've called me to live. I need the hope not just for tomorrow and not just for yesterday, but we need hope for today. Would you come and empower me by your spirit to do it? Oh God, we thank you for your goodness to us. That even though we don't live perfect lives, even though our lives have spaces where our beliefs don't match our behavior, God, you forgive us through your son. You cleanse us, God. You make us new. Lord, I ask that you will help us by the power of your spirit to be able to live the way you call us to live. God, make us the people that you desire us to be. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stand, if you would, and let's continue to respond to God's word today.